Welcome to the After Dark Podcast with Anthony James and Conrad. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Hello and welcome to the After Dark Podcast. I'm Anthony James and that's Conrad. Hello. I think I just sniffed when you said hello. So <laughs> I apologize for that. For that. It's a professional start. That's all right. That's all right. You might have noticed last week, uh, listeners, that when we applied <laughs> we applied the new settings, the noise gates and the uh, noise reduction and everything, I went a little over the top with the noise gates because I was sniffing all over the place. Also, overzealous editor. Overzealous editor. Also, you might have noticed me uh, blowing my nose in my expanse <laughs> four of you, and also at the beginning of episode 18 of the After Dark podcast. You know what? I sorted them both out. They are now they are now ghosts on the internet. However, if you were there to witness them, congratulations. We should, right, uh, we should offer a prize if someone can tell us the exact timestamp that you blew your nose in the Expanse video. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I know I know it off the top of my head because I was trying to edit that thing out for hours. <laughs> I was playing it cool in the comments like, you know, oh, you know, I don't really care. This is, you know, and then I was like, how do I get rid of this? You know? Ah, it looks so unprofessional. Yeah, that's so, so mental. Someone actually, someone commented saying, Anthony versus handkerchief. Anthony won, handkerchief nil. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I got it. It was a tissue, not a handkerchief. I'm not an animal. Okay, so, um, or maybe I am I'm an animal because that's worth worse for the environment. But anyway, uh, right, Conrad, how have you been this week? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty good, thank you. I got to watch uh, a very interesting episode of Dark. Uh, I literally can't think of anything else I've done this week, so uh, it can't have been that bad. How about you? Uh, yeah, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Um, I put a poll up on my Twitter this week um, that... Now, I didn't tell you about this yet, actually, uh, but oh, I want all... Because I want all of our listeners to start thinking hard and deep right Jesus. <laughs> think hard and deep about this question because it really does matter around at the, oh, sorry at the end of this uh series of dark at the end of season two conrad and i are going to finally make a decision about what we are going to be doing for the next uh sort of set of after dark podcasts what show are we going to be doing that conrad hasn't seen that i have seen we're going to make a decision and what you need to decide okay now some of you are going to have a choice but you'll know what i mean in a minute what you need to decide is, are you going to be an Anthony for the next one? Or are you going to be a Conrad for the next one? I oh, well, our listeners. Yeah. Do the listeners mm-hmm. want to have seen the show and they can be on my side and they'll sort of know everything that's going on? Or do they want to be on Conrad's side and Conrad is new to the, will be new to the show again so they can theorize with him in the comments and things and they can actually be like uh, up uh, episode by episode and sort of try and predict and be with Conrad, if you know what I mean. What do you think about that idea, Conrad? Yeah, I think that's good. Um, I will make my pitch early to our listeners that the uh, the water in the Conrad pool is always a lovely temperature. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, I, I would prefer more Conrads because that would mean that, uh, although hang on, but what I do imagine is a lot of, it's like, I'm not saying everyone, but I think some people might just watch on and then predict in the, th- in the comments. <laughs> you know. yeah. I think this is going to happen. And it's like dead well, on. You know? I mean, After Dark is about nothing if not the transition from a Conrad into an Anthony by the process of, of binge watching television shows or watching an episode a week, I guess. It's the opposite so of that's... binging, really. 
yeah yeah in many ways it's yeah a traditional way of watching the show rather than binge watching um but yeah so you know if people want to if people want to go through that that metamorphosis i'm all for it yeah exactly and to be honest with you at the end of the day as you say we're all anthony's you know if you want to be if you want to be a conrad for a while that's all right but you know what i'm a pretty big guy my gravity eventually pulls you in Right. So uh, I just want to say on the on the poll, it's got three days left. When you're hearing this, it will be closed. So go over to my Twitter at HeyAnthonyJames and see what the results were. So far, there's been 16 votes, and Conrad, more people want to be a Conrad, which is good to, good for uh, me because because that means yeah. that, that no one will be able to judge what I'm talking about in terms of the next show. Whereas on this, uh, people can question what I'm saying about Dark because everyone's seen it as well. So uh, I think 37.5% want to be an Anthony, and 62.5% want to be a Conrad. Yeah, that's true to life, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine too. <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, having said that, that's the poll. Get over there and uh, have a look, see how you went on. Obviously, if you didn't vote in the poll, you can let me know if you want to be a Conrad or an Anthony in the comments this week. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe on audio apps. Apart from that, we're getting ready to get into this great episode, Conrad. What do you think? Yep, let us do it. Oh, let's break it down! The episode opens with a very thematic uh, montage of uh sort of just the nature of time travel i suppose and the nature of time and everything's going backwards and forwards what's the true beginning what's the true end what was your mm. thoughts on this opening um well i mean it, it marks the first episode where time has not just kind of flowed forward in a linear fashion i think mm-hmm. dark has adhered to a pretty strict chronology albeit with different timelines happening at the same time they've all kind of followed the same linear chronology you know one day follows the next yeah um and this is the first episode where that hasn't done that so it feels like quite a significant departure for the series as a whole um and yeah the the fact that Jonas is now outside of the chronology of the 33 year cycles um and that another time traveler also appears <laughs> to possess this ability uh poses some pretty significant questions i think about um how and when and uh, by whom time can be changed so i'm really it, yeah it's it's a really really fascinating um really fascinating start to to the episode um and you know just a it, it kind of works as a I, I suppose it's like a traditional montage as well like it's a recap of stuff that we've seen and perhaps maybe forgotten um that that's that's gone before us in the in the last season and a half so it's it's a nice little recap yeah, that's actually true like cuz we haven't really had a recap montage as of yet but we get a lot of other sort of stylistic mm. montages yeah. also um this this totally screws up my egon is dying in the sixth episode theory yeah so thanks dark for completely ballsing up the chronology of your own series <laughs> like by just yeah. chucking this one in here now guys do you realize that whenever we ballsed up the numbering of the after dark podcast by adding in a few of two random episodes this is what we were alluding to the whole time <laughs> it's, it <laughs> they was, did it first it was a deep cut but uh basically uh yeah so last week after we stopped recording actually i said to conrad uh Maybe for next week, you should uh, make sure you've already got in the theory matrix that Egon dies in the sixth episode, because that was a yeah, big that was, theory that was of yours. A, that was cruel. That was like, very you, you knew You knew when you said it to me that I was going to lose points on it, and you yeah. looked me in the eye and told me to do it anyway. Yeah, well, that's that's just what we're here for, you know? We're here to see you crumble and, and fail, you know? It's outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah. You should have yeah, seen, that, it, it, should have seen it coming, though, because like Adam said yeah. at the end of the last episode that he has a machine that breaks the 33-year cycle. He said to Jonas, I'm sending you to this day. Yeah, but I didn't think we'd get a whole 
episode of that. I thought it was going to be like at the end of the episode, he pops up in you know 2019 as a kind of stinger, and it's like da 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 da, and then you know, but the rest of the episode is normal chronology stuff. Now I don't know what to believe, and and to be honest, um, this was, I will will go through this as we explore the episode but this was a really really different episode i think both mm-hmm. kind of structurally and tonally and i i can i'll say this now um because loads of people have been building building this up um a lot and i i did really enjoy this but i can honestly say that it took me a while to warm up to it because this was not what i was expecting at all from this episode yeah it's it's really really different and uh because the thing is yeah maybe when i was tell- like i i was i've said the comrade before we started recording it's my favorite ep- favorite episode of Dark. I.e., if I was going to watch one episode, I'd probably watch this one. It's, do I think it's the best episode of Dark? Well, I think every episode of Dark is really, really good. In terms of the best, in terms of a rating, I'm not sure. Maybe episode uh, 5 of season 1, episode 10 of season 1, episode 4 of season 2. There's a load of ones. Usually the ones yeah. with the huge reveals are the things that you're like, you know, you're, you're sort of on the edge of your seat for. The fact that this episode's so different makes it my favorite. Like, there's only one timeline. We get, we're fine. We sort of get a lot of questions answered in this episode. This mm, episode really but only felt- like in the last ten minutes, really. Like, oh, well, actually, there is little stuff littered throughout. But um, yeah, I felt like it, it's almost it's almost like kind of a set piece for like yeah. the first fifty minutes. It's just like kind of a character play, um, which will, will you know the, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I'd like to and, then in the, and then in the last 10 minutes it's like all right here comes a certain gray-haired <laughs> yeah. lady to just <laughs> just completely rock the the boat by uh by revealing a bunch of stuff yeah yeah okay so we'll get into it anyway i'm sure we'll get some more thoughts out as we go but um yeah okay so then uh the first sort of main scene of the episode is uh Jonas waking up it's sort of i don't know how we'll refer to them will we refer to this as 2019 Jonas? he yeah uh, i guess so yeah, he wakes up uh, in the house. He comes downstairs, and uh, his father Michael's there, and Hannah's there, and uh, there's mentions of a Katerina and Ulrich's party. Mm. Um, Michael seems to be remembering a little bit. He gets spooked at uh, Jonas's yellow jacket. Uh, yep. What do what you think of this as an opening scene to this timeline? So, it, I, it's really uh, I can only really judge the opening to this kind of on reflection of the episode as a whole because it, I didn't really know where the episode was going when I first watched it, which I think is one of the reasons why it took me a while to kind of get into it. But um, I think looking back at it, this, not necessarily just this scene, but but this this kind of tonal um, feeling throughout this episode, it put me in the mind, I don't know if you've actually seen this movie, but it put me in mind of uh, the epilogue to The Godfather Part 2. Um, where I, have basically, seen, I have seen it, but I, don't know, I can't remember. So basically that film ends and there will be slight spoilers for The Godfather Part 2, just in case you haven't seen this 1974 movie, listeners, um, where basically the film uh, ends with an epilogue of the Corleone family sitting down for dinner prior to the events of Godfather 1. Um, oh, okay. and, it, and it's like a really sort of happy occasion um, between those characters, but it's sort of coloured by the sadness on the part of the viewer because we know what happens to them. So we know lots of them will die mm-hmm. um, and there'll be sort of fissures that will form in their relationships, which will never heal. And yeah. I, I feel like this episode is kind of trying to achieve the same thing. So it's really an episode of contrasts um, yeah. between kind of what we know the future has in store for these characters and what we are shown. Um, and it's really brilliantly borne out in every minor detail, I think. And and to, to speak specifically for the beginning, sort of Jonas waking up calmly on a sunny day with the power still on and the milk not going off in the fridge to the sounds of the is it nina the name of the band like um it's yeah same tr- 99 red balloons yeah 
Yeah, I think that, that that song, was it the one that played when Helga hit himself with the car? Yeah. I think it might have been. Yeah, it's but, every, everything, everywhere, something. It's, it's about time anyway. Yeah, so so it's, but it's offers, it offers kind of like a very rose-tinted view of the past, um, but with like this this sort of metaphorical and very literal storm of what the future holds kind of already gathering. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a really, really sort of pronounced opening um and i love i love the line people keep on mentioning it and, I, and it makes sense um but i'm always a fan of some prophetic fallacy so when michael tells Jonas uh it's supposed to storm later you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was a bit like a isn't it just michael kind of moment <laughs> yeah yeah but that's also to me it was like the writers being like it's the summertime how do we make sure that you both Jonas's are wearing a rain jacket um yeah yeah <laughs> I get that. Yeah, I'm almost certain that that conversation happened in the writers' room at some point. They're like, "Oh no, it's summer. Uh, we we just gotta have a have a summer storm somehow." Yeah, yeah. I will say that you're already hitting on reasons as to why I would say this is my favorite episode. And the reason, like, let me just like, I'll 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 add more to this as we go through. But what I'll say is the fact that you're talking, you're referencing it there to the Godfather too. Those feelings that you're saying talking about and the idea of the, it being before the coming storm, I suppose, and like sort of the glee or the the sort of serenity before the storm of the mm. show. This really feels to me like this is episode zero of Dark. You know what I mean? Like yeah. before episode one, this is what it was. And in my mind, the reason why this maybe is one of my favorites and it's one of my the nicest ones for me to go back and watch is because after I've seen all three seasons and I know everything that happens to these characters and the roller coaster ride they go on, this is the beginning of it for me. And if I want to go back and after all these crazy things that happen and all the all the like tunnels, no pun intended, that they all go down, <laughs> whenever whenever I go back to this, I can see Ulrich and Katarina dancing. I can see uh, Hannah, the, the big sort of Hannah and Michael's relationship a little bit, even though Hannah then eventually goes and sleeps with Ulrich. Uh, I can see Magnus pining after uh francisca like, oh, yeah I, more on that later yeah, more on that later so i <laughs> but, but i but i can see what like the very beginning of everyone and i think to me mm. i think to me that like putting this episode zero in the middle like literally almost smack bang in the middle of the whole series yeah was to me was a stroke of genius having said that i understand why you might feel a bit like you've been knocked off the rails of the season for the first half of it yeah, I, I just, it, I think it, I mean, it's it's not really a flaw of the episode. It just wasn't what I was expecting. You know, when people have said to me before, uh, or when, when listeners rather, and you have, have said to me before, oh, this is a really good episode coming up. It's normally manifested itself as like, oh, a really kind of dynamic episode with an exciting plot and lots of reveals going mm-hmm. on. And this does have a bit of that. But really, as I said before, not until the last 10 minutes. And most of it is just, well, you know, like you've just described, it's like kind of, an epilogue and a prologue kind of rolled into one almost but yeah. it's right but it's also structured really weirdly because it's right in the middle of a, yeah. <laughs> of the cv series so it's neither of those things at the same time um but well, if it's an epilogue think... and a prologue it has to be in the middle doesn't it yeah i guess that's that's the comp yeah that's what happens when you combine an epilogue and a prologue you just get the middle yeah um but uh yeah i definitely think there's something to that um sense of it trying to sort of capture a nostalgia for where these characters were um, yeah and so you know it's it's kind of from the sort of sunny bike ride and the trip to the lake that the teenagers share everything's really warm hued even even well i mean we'll, we'll come back to it but even the sex scene is kind of warmly shot despite mm-hmm. it being sort of horrific um and it's raining outside at the time or, or it's gonna yeah. rain outside at the time yeah yeah but uh yeah it was it was a it's a really really strong opening um 
and there's there's a couple of things in particular that I that I really want to drill down on. But but yeah, this this beginning is a very kind of like it it's it's it mirrors the opening of the first episode, but but it ha- just it's completely different tonally. Yeah, it's like a reflection of the first episode. Um, okay, so then uh, on to the next scene we get, or the next plate we get the the date, the twentieth of June, two thousand nineteen, the day before yeah. Michael commits suicide. Uh, the name of the episode in English is An, en- an Endless Cycle. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to anyone here. I have no idea how to say this <laughs> in German. I literally can't even guess. I know I know, end is endet, so it's probably like an end something, but I, and cycle, I'm going to guess, is one of those words that maybe sounds a bit like it does in English, but I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even begin to formulate a guess without offending someone. Okay, so it all comes down to me and my pronunciation there. Yep. Uh, okay, ein unendlicher Kreis, Kreis, something like that. Okay, well, I wasn't a million miles away. Now, uh, now I'll go of... slow. Ein <laughs> unendlicher Licker. Yeah, cr- nailing cr- it. Kreis. Okay, Perfect. There's, there's, there's my slowed down pronunciation, just so you know I got it exactly right. Yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Thank you very much. Uh, okay, so <laughs> moving on, uh, <laughs> we get the. So th- I wanted to mention, just touch on this, uh, even though it's a very small part, and I could have amalgamated it with something else. I wanted to touch on the little, uh, the little trading of glances that Jonas and Marta give each other as they're riding to the uh, the lake. Yeah, yeah. There, there's the, their relationship. There's a couple of relationships in this episode that I feel really work. I think Jonas and Michael is a big one. Uh, I also think uh Jonas and Marta is a great one um and um yeah the, it start it's 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 odd <laughs> to say this i don't want to say i don't listen i'm going to say this now listeners incest is bad no one should do it all right <laughs> like <laughs> that's it's it has it, there's there's serious concerns with doing it but at the same time it's hard not to in a way kind of root for the innocence of their romance at this point because it's just a teen romance like neither of them know the, the sort of ramifications of what they're doing um and it's it's portrayed very very touchingly i think you know they they clearly care a lot for each other yeah um yeah and also like of course of course it's a touching and like it's it's a it's a young romance you know at the end of the day they're a perfect match so yeah he said it himself yeah, exactly. Uh, just take the, it takes this Jonas a bit of time to figure that out, but they are they're a perfect match. Uh, right, okay. So then, uh, scarred Jonas arrives. Um, long-haired mm. scarred Jonas looking uh, comes out of the church. Um, and yeah, not much to say about that. We'll see what he gets up to later. So uh, also, um, what did you think about Mikkel having dengue fever or rubella? I suppose he, is that what he had rubella. Yeah, he had rubella. I don't know what dengue fever is. Whether that's just another name for it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to make of that. It just kind of came out of nowhere as a, I guess, as a way to sort of keep Mickle separate from from the party, maybe. But um, yeah, it, I mean, it looked very realistic. The the, the makeup yeah. on him was pretty disgusting. Yeah, it looked like he was covered in crocodile bites. Like the, I don't know, they were, it's, yeah. it looked really strange. Like they scour scour uh, you know, like a what do you call that thing? A scourer? Yeah, just like yeah. Rubbed in with a scourer, yeah. So um, also, uh, Ulrich was being a bit of a uh, sort of loving to his wife at the same time, but but he was being a bit uh, forceful on Katarina in terms of uh, you know 
Yeah. You get a little little peek into the bedroom there, but um yeah, I mean it's... there's it's interesting I think their relationship in this because you can there is like um and I'll just just that... to clarify, I'm not in any way in, intending uh implying that that was rapey at all, just so there's no comments about that. Ah, no, you know, he's just, you know, he he he's he wants to get some and Katarina is <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Katarina has a, has bigger fish to fry. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, I think um their relationship is really kind of lovely in this up until the point where it suddenly is not anymore. Um and and it really it's it's funny how it kind of captures the sort of easygoing effusiveness of Ulrich um that we saw in the early parts of the la- of the first season and that sort of kind of that sense of like confidence and charm that he has that that make him that make him kind of likable even though you like i think we said in the first episode might be an all right guy to go for a drink with but i wouldn't want to be particularly good friends with him yeah um and and it and it definitely reminds you of that um and and you know the, the interactions between Ulrich and katarina in this episode i think do show a couple who are in love with each other um mm-hmm. and it's as with some of the other story arcs it makes what happens at the end of the episode all the more um hurtful yeah exactly um okay so then we get a bit more of a of the page uh opened or you know the the page turned i suppose uh of, of alexander's backstory um mm. we find out that he's he's looking very worried and he's looking at a newspaper and it says murder in marburg unsolved 33 years later <laughs> yeah that seems bad um <laughs> Yeah, I, I, this this completely caught me by surprise. To be honest, I did not see him being pursued for murder um, when he turned up. I mean, he, the way he was dressed, he was wearing you know like a balaclava and had a gun. To me, that says robbery. So yeah. maybe it was a robbery gone wrong or something like that. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's based on what he says to Regina. It's clearly a secret he has kept from her. Um, but he he really doesn't seem like the murderous type. So I wonder if he is really as guilty as this initially made him look and who his accomplice was because it says there are two of them um so i wonder if that's going to come into it yeah okay well, awesome we'll wait and see uh everyone's favorite goofball peter's back in the show and he is <laughs> he has a whale of a time this episode he does um so he's having a chat with, with charlotte here charlotte is it seems like she's only found out about his affair recently yeah. um I will say now. I'm not saying this is a, is a mistake in dark. I'm not saying that. You know, we would never say that, Connor, will we? But um, basically, whenever in the first season Charlotte went to Benny, Benny said that uh, mm. she hasn't seen um, Peter for a year. Yeah, this would only be four or five months before that. Yeah, I was outraged so, by this. Yeah, outraged. So either it's a mistake in dark, or. <laughs> Benny is covering for Peter and his yeah. uh, penis that bends one way to the right or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Benny's either Benny's either a liar or uh, Barbara has some has some uh, explaining to do. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah and actually, I choose to yeah. believe it's the latter. Yeah, exactly. You know, we have to find the problems where we get them. But <laughs> yeah. uh, so basically, the the the, uh, the meat and potatoes of this scene is that uh, Peter seems to be annoyed at Charlotte because Charlotte won't trust him. <laughs> because yeah. he had proven himself untrustworthy by yeah, going to yeah. a hooker's <laughs> yeah he's consistently demonstrated himself to not be trustworthy and that has annoyed him because she doesn't trust him now which yeah. does really feel a bit like wanting to have your cake and eat it a, a bit really yeah if you I... just trusted me i wouldn't feel the need to lie so much <laughs> yeah but I, I i i love that like in in an episode full of 
kind of rose tinted nostalgia for relationships and how um kind of nice and healthy they were before the, the 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 sort of gathering storm came and ruined everything the only one that appears to have improved is charlotte and pieces <laughs> and like there's there's is like they've been brought closer together by this somehow which i, I just love yeah and like they're like buddy cops together now but um yeah. also i just wanted to mention here as well um Peter says to Charlotte, like, Charlotte is not trusting him because he's, like, with a hooker or whatever. And then he's like, maybe you cause this. You know, I get nothing from you. Uh, It's it's like you're dead in there. Um, I wonder if if she knows at this point that he's, he's, like, gay or bi. Because the way he talks, like, the way he says, I get nothing from you, to me feels like the kind of spiteful thing a husband says when when they're not having sex or what. Yeah, that's what I, that's how I read it. Yeah, that's how I read it. So I wonder. I wonder if if she doesn't actually know yet that he. She just, he's... Uh, maybe she just knows that he's uh, cheating uh, in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I. But I. To be honest with you, I was sort of on uh, really on Charlotte's side here, obviously, and I really, I really sort of like liked the fact that she she you know put her foot down and said, "I'm going to the Nielsen's alone." I, I like. I really mm. liked that, even though as we see later in the episode, that might have even driven the further wedge between them. Having said that, I don't think there was any salvaging this relationship based on. One, no, was... P- Peter going to hookers, and two, Peter, you know, being more interested uh, in, yeah. in 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 a in a different way. There's a there's a Christmas uh, romantic movie about a young boy's corpse turning up in the bunker and reuniting uh, Peter <laughs> and Charlotte in yeah. the making here, and they just you know they didn't know it at the time, but this was what was going to bring them t- together again. Yeah, and that's how Santa can go to ev- <laughs> yeah. every house in the world <laughs> yeah. because it's time travel. There's a black hole in every chimney yeah. in the world, <laughs> yeah. and he just po- he has just a, a row of them in the North Pole, and he just pops the presents in there. Yeah, well, there we go. We we all know it now. But basically, <laughs> uh, um, uh, the next scene is the uh, sort of will become now either infamous or famous. I don't know, depending on which way you look at it. Uh, the lake scene, and there's a lot that goes on in this lake scene. Um, mm. It's the first sort of half of the lake scene, I suppose. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before we talk about it. The big establishing shot over the over the forest and then the lake at the very yeah. beginning, the lovely long slow establishing shot. I wanted to point out to my listeners uh, just to see if anyone noticed. Back in my original theory making videos, where I was like looking forward to season three, and then I'll even in my three or four videos after season three first came out, before I started showing my face, this shot is what I leaned on heavily. <laughs> I put this shot in nearly every video about five different times while I was speaking or whatever. I just, in the intro and stuff, that shot, that's where I got it from. It was just so easy. It's like 10 seconds long and it's just Mm. trees and the the lake. So I just throw it in everywhere. Just so, just for the listeners, if you, if you recognize that, that's a callback to early Anthony James days. Um, All right. So it's a nice uh, establishing shot. You know, it's a good shot. They, they do a good job with it. Yeah. It's lovely. It's lovely. Um, So a few things that happen in the scene. Uh, Bartos and, and Magnus play a prank on Marta. Uh, then we have uh, sort of a little a little bit of uh, dialogue between 2019 or, or No Scar Jonas with Marta on the beach, and also they find the uh, the medal. Yes, yeah. So um, I think I'll probably talk about Jonas and Marta first, just because I think there's probably more meat on the bone of this, although there's some really interesting. Magnus and Francisca stuff in this set of scenes. Um, so I but, think... Okay, yeah, keep going. So the... the I think their relationship, Master and Jonas's, that is, is played really, really brilliantly here. I think the, the contrast between... Uh, 
kind of what we talked about before like the the two kids who clearly like each other but struggle to sort of vocalize it in that awkward way that kids do um uh is is very believable and and those those um interactions are shot in kind of bright warm colors um uh, which contrasts really well to the 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 way that um the two of them behave in the present day um or well one of them i guess in the present day and the other one in whatever damn timeline they choose to appear in um but uh but yeah those two people who are ever sort of who are sort of forever changed by the things they've experienced um and it's interesting that that pendant stays with one of them um for what looks to be their entire lives and it gives them that kind of material possession which sort of represents the duality of their relationship because they still love and value one another um and they will always hold on to it despite the distance which is usually physical between them um so it's it it, i think it's a really well realized love story um in this episode yeah i'm glad i'm glad to hear that um it definitely felt like this is the this is this is this works for the background of these two characters knowing what's come before like i'm thinking Mm. of like whenever Jonas came back from 86 in season one and it was pelting down with rain and he was saying and he said to her you know we're we're not a good match do you remember yeah yeah just like yeah it makes that excuse all the worse yeah (laughs) because i mean it was a bad line at the time all the worse for marta but really thematically important for us now yeah um and I think um, I don't know if you want to go through all of the the, the sort of interactions that both Jonas's have with Marta in the scene now or not. Well, we're gonna we'll, we'll, first. What we'll do is we'll talk about Jonas meeting the Ulrichs on the road. Is that all right? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Okay. So Jonas the, meets the Ulrichs. <laughs> Sorry, the Nielsens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Katarina's Ulrich as well. We never we never I thought mean, about that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there is there are two Helgers, so um, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there could be two Ulrichs too. Oh, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention. Uh, back in the murdering uh, Alexander scene, that was Yasin. Okay, let's keep going. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely yeah. Oh, maybe Yasin. Wait, hold on. There are two he... Alexanders. One Yassin. of them is Yasin, and that was his accomplice in Marburg. Oh yeah, you've, We've you've done it. You've got it. Case closed. Yeah, the circle, the cycle <laughs> is complete. We now move into the final cycle. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Jonas uh, is approached by the Nielsen's car. There's not really anything I want to pick, pick pinpoint here. I just found this scene incredibly funny. Yeah, I, lo- I love. I think it's goddamn dark. Is making me like this episode made me like Ulrich again a little bit, yeah, just because yeah, he's yeah. he's like he's got some good lines in it. You know, calling. Jonas Romeo, Romeo <laughs> yeah. and and you know and like them all joking about how Martha's crazy about him and it just it just was I it, it's weird to come back to this kind of dialogue when because it feels very lightweight and kind of candy floss and not I don't mean that in a bad way but it like it feels very like because it's deli- well it's deliberately supposed to feel that way but it it feels very light compared to the kind of heavy stuff we've been dealing with up until this yeah. point but it's still really nice and really well written and well performed dialogue I think yeah yeah that's no, great um also you understand now why in the very first episode of the after dark podcast first episode of dark i made such a deal of pointing out the ultimate fist bump by mickle yeah that comes back later in this episode and it's the dumbest thing that he could have possibly done done at that point <laughs> it's, <laughs> but, great. But, yeah. it's great it's great it's all right here and it's all right in the first episode but it made me like it made me laugh out loud when it comes back later <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's like, God damn it, Jonas! Be a normal person who does normal things for once. Yeah, it's great. Well, we've had two different in the last couple of episodes. We've had two different ways that they've uh, 
sort of uh, Ulrich in the last episode, old Ulrich decided to, that you, to use the magic trick uh, r- uh, reference to make yep. Mikkel realize who he was. And Jonas goes for the ultimate fist bump in this. Yeah, no one can vocalize their feelings without some kind of aid. Yeah, and I just will say, like, I think like t- at least five or six times a week, I I extend my fist to my son and say, "Ultimate fist bump." Has has he has he has he bumped you back yet? Every time. Oh, nice, good <laughs> yeah. stuff. Oh, He's my a son, my son wouldn't leave me hanging. Don't worry, <laughs> he loves his daddy. Right, okay, moving on. Uh, we get. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for a second there, we thought there might have been a dead body in the lake, but um, oh not... my god, Magnus! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, carry on. Please. There's not really much else I'm going to say here. I just, what... I, I think this relationship, the the Magnus Francisca stuff, brief though it is in this episode, I think it, it's really smartly contrasted with um, Jonas and Marta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because they're just like they're so awkward. With with each other, yeah. especially especially Magnus, like, and there's a really there's a really interesting kind of um, double sided performance to Magnus here, where when he's like joking around with Bartos about the body at the bottom of the lake, um, he he's all like you know joking in front of the front of the boys and making making a show of being cool and pranking his sister, yeah. but then like he sees he sees like a, an actual body in the lake and he like panics and runs in, and then when it's Francisca who, by contrast to him, is like profoundly comfortable with who she is for better or worse he just like panics and runs away um and uh and it's i I find there's a lot to empathize with in magnus's character but these two together it's i don't know why francisca puts up with him to be honest (laughs) uh it was just it was just absolutely great yeah she's so confident like he runs down he's his lips quivering and she's just like uh nope yeah she's got completely naked still still very much alive you know. Yeah, and then he just, and, he, and I, I don't think they actually show it, but in my head, I imagine him just turning around and running, um, without saying another word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, uh, I like the idea, like, it, like in terms of where, what she's going through at the minute, uh, and her, what her revelations are in this scene, and her parents aren't happy. I can, I, if there was ever an excuse for someone just to go down and skinny dip and like try and feel one with nature, I think this is probably it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. Also, uh, in the next scene, whenever now, obviously, we'll get into a little bit of the uh, Marta and Jonas stuff with the two different uh, Jonases in a minute. But before we do, Magnus just pile drives on through attack, yeah. <laughs> ruins the moment. Yeah, ru- completely ruins the moment. Sprints on through, and I can just imagine he's he can't wait to get back to Bartos to uh, oh, yeah. to, to tell him what's just happened. He's he's at home with Bartos. He's seen Francisca naked. He can't wait to tell someone about it. Yeah, although I, I don't think he's going to be happy when Bart, Bartos starts talking about Francisca Doppler's black hole, that's for sure. Yeah, I think if he'd have been, in there, he'd have been there, he would have had words for Bartos. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so the two Jonases and the Marta scene, what do you think? Mm. So I, I think there's, there, there's an interesting bit of dialogue. I mean, there's several bits of interesting dialogue in this scene, but Jonas turning up, um, which it took me until this scene, to be honest, to notice that he was wearing the same clothes as... Uh, 2019 Jonas um that's why Adam laid them out yeah which is very smart by Adam um (laughs) but when he turns up and sort of laments that he thought he still had time uh that to me reads as though he was perhaps planning on stopping his past self from sharing this afternoon with Marta um maybe to try and sort of ease the pain that having these feelings in the first place kind of caused both of them Mm, Um, I don't know what your read of that was yeah that that that's that's 
I like that. I like your read. I'm, I'm not even going to say that I ever even had a f- full on read of that one moment, but I, I think that that's makes sense what you've said. Yeah, I, and I, th- I think in the context of the of where this relationship goes in this episode, I think it's it's very bitterly ironic that in realizing he has failed to do that, he he instead will go on to sort of say, "Screw it, I'm declaring my love for you and kissing you," and in doing that, will guarantee that the relationship will happen, which is. Uh... Yeah, which is about as bitter an irony as we see in this episode. There's obviously one that's a little bit uh, harder than than that. Um, yeah, I, I actually think the moment where he kisses her, it always, it always stuck out to me as really intriguing and interesting, is mm. the idea that this couple who seems so in love, um, and like sort of like, whether it's teenager love or not, they seem so in love. Um, I think it's really interesting, the idea that they didn't actually ever share their first kiss with one another. Um, yeah. So they one of them was all one of them had always kissed the other before, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like so, it's it's an inter- interesting paradox, um, which it's kind of borne out in their entire relationship. Whereas there's just this this thing that doesn't make sense, and they're never really able. I, I suspect they'll never really truly be able to make sense of the the feelings that they have for each other. Um, but it's it it's a, like a really interesting relationship that underpins a lot of this episode. I think. Yeah, and did you sort of clock the idea, the idea that this back in I think episode one of season one, we were told we were, they referenced what happened last summer. At, mm. Were you watching this thinking, ah, this is what happened last summer? Yeah, I, so I I didn't th- I didn't see the sex scene coming um, in this. I, I thought the kiss was going to be it, um, and then uh, the sex scene would have happened after they had their conversation in the rain uh, in season one. Um, but uh, yeah, I was I was definitely looking forward to seeing what what actually happened between them in the summer, and it turned out to be more than I thought it was. Yeah, a lot more than you thought it was. Yeah, time travel and everything. Right. Okay. So uh, next scene uh, is one of my favorite. Uh, I think I, I use that. I, I say that tentatively, actually, because I'm not sure if it is one of my favorite. But I really like what they did, and that's where sort of Mickle um, is coming into the house, and Michael is hiding from him, and there's like real tension in this scene. Um, yeah. But but is also a a little bit again of goofiness. I find I find mm. that uh, adult Michael is a little bit. He's sort of on the same goofy wavelength as Peter. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a definite um, element of not being comfortable in his own skin um, with Michael. And there's a lot to say on Michael in this episode, uh, obviously. Um, But I I think for me, the the main thing that I was was feeling throughout most of the episode was was that he seems to be functioning relatively well at the Mm -hmm. beginning, or or probably for the first two thirds, to be honest, Um, which is kind of remarkable given we know what he must be dealing with you know he's he's wrestling with the knowledge that he will kill himself tomorrow um based on um you know what he knew as a child if he even does still remember that i don't um, i personally don't think he remembers that yeah i guess actually on reflection the way he reacts later in the episode I, implies that he doesn't remember it happened yeah. um but i mean he's still you know seeing his younger self um which must must really mess with your head to be honest yeah. um and I think it's really it's really brilliant his performance in this because as the episode unfolds, it kind of becomes increasingly hard to pin down um, exactly why he will kill himself because he doesn't seem to be in the even though he's a bit weird, um, particularly when when Mickle comes round to to use the bathroom, uh, he doesn't really seem to be in the kind of mindset to be killing himself. 
Um, he definitely seems anxious with the prospect of seeing Mickle, but yeah. not to the point of suicide. And I think the fact that this question is kind of subconsciously repeatedly asked throughout the episode is a, is a deliberate choice on the part of the creators, and, and it makes the eventual revelation of the reasons for his death such a hammer blow, mm-hmm. um, especially when you contrast it to stuff like the scene where Mickle comes out of the bathroom and Michael's there. And Jesus Christ, if ever there was a moment for an Ick Bindu, that was it, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come on. Yeah. Just three little words. But um, <laughs> but instead they just share a wordless gaze that kind of speaks volumes and go their separate ways. Um, yeah, it, it, there's, there's so many opportunities I get, well, I, I, I was going to say uh, there's so many opportunities for this to be avoided, but I suppose in the grand scheme of things, there probably actually isn't. It was always kind of destined to happen this way. Yeah, and what do you think about the little detail of Hannah uh, sort of staring at Mickle and saying, Mickle's got, got big, and then he's saying, oh, it must be deja vu or something. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting how the the coming storm sort of spreads throughout the characters. So at the beginning of the, the episode, it's really just Michael who is showing any kind of cracks uh, in his character. And then Marta starts to show them a little bit, and then um, Hannah starts to show them a little bit, and by the time the storm is rolling in, there are characters all over the place who are showing just just how imperfect their relationships are and, and, and the kind of problems that will, will dog them for, for years to come. Yep, exactly. Now, I don't, I don't actually think that Hannah in any way realised there that uh mickle is michael but no, def- no. definitely she was having a big old second look there because she was like yeah. i've seen this face somewhere before yeah i think it's just um it's just a subconscious feeling yeah, um yeah. but it but it's you know the the, the acorn from which a, a much bigger like a tree will, will will grow that will basically completely ruin her entire life yep okay awesome uh, I'm laughing at me saying awesome there because I think I think last week you said something about like uh, Egon's gonna die in episode seven and I went okay awesome uh, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it is involuntary sometimes. I'm just looking for any word to move the conversation on. I'm I hope, I, hope uh, I, I took that to mean that Egon's gonna go out like surfing while <laughs> yeah. while like drinking beers uh, and like ACDC plays in the background. So that's what I'm expecting to to happen for for Egon's. Uh, death roll yeah like at the end of the episode is like real tense music like the uh the nurse is saying the chemo <laughs> is going to be rough yeah. so you've got a choice you can have six more months with very rough very hard chemo or and then it cuts to him surfing yeah just the thunderstruck <laughs> down, 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 down. Yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what i want for egon yeah definitely <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, all right, so then we get. Uh, oh, jeez, do you not feel sorry for Bartos here? We've oh, all not been in there. The slightest. Bartos... Not in the slightest. <laughs> Come on, we've all been there. We've all been there. Uh, yeah. You know. the, the, oh, this scene it is hard to watch. To be honest, it's like his. Oh, bless him. He's trying his best. He's yeah. trying his best. So he's. Uh, he tells Marta that uh, she looks good with her hair. Um, yeah, good compliment. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, well done, Bartos. And she's just like, <laughs> thanks very much. I've just yeah. kissed like a crazy time traveler guy, so I'm sort of busy. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the um. I mean, it's a real aside as well, but I love the revelation that he can't come to the party, and, and because his <laughs> his parents are having their own party, and there's like a brief cutaway. I think during the montage, yeah, yeah. where it's just him and his mum and dad sat having dinner. And it's like, oh, great. 
Yeah, but it makes he's, complete sense. Like Regina is no way, no, in no way, going to celebrate yeah. Ulrich and Katarina's anniversary. Like he's not allowed to go around to the Nielsens. That's forbidden. Yeah, exactly. It's great. Uh, okay, so a little bit more development into Alexander now. Just he's calling up Vola and saying, "Look into it." Mm, I. We still have nothing on their relationship. I hope we get more. I, I just, I feel like we're not that far removed from the apocalypse now and and like i really would like some more on vola and alexander's relationship yeah also they don't uh as far as i'm aware vola isn't in this episode at all uh no so they they don't even know that he was actually speaking to him on the phone it could have been anyone anyone. uh (laughs) they they avoided showing him with both eyes do you notice uh, that's a good point actually yeah Yeah. (laughs) they they would have had to show him with both eyes Uh, okay so uh, we finally get to the party, and um, mm. a few things I wanted to point out before I'm sure you've got a lot to say about it. I, I loved, I, I loved Katarina in this scene where she's sort of float, yeah. floating about the party, and she's full like, of personality. Yeah, and, and the camera seems, like follows her so brilliantly as well. Yeah, and she just seems like a lovely person to me. Like I don't know, I was like, yeah. she just seems like the heart and soul of the party. Um, so a few things I wanted to point out. Well, first thing is Katarina's favorite song is "Heaven Is a Place on Earth." Uh yeah, I've got some thoughts on that. Don't you worry about that. Okay, so you got some thoughts on that. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the last thing I just wanted to mention is that this this is the the moment in the episode where I realized all of the different adults, you know, and children, I suppose as well, and teenagers, but mostly the adults is focusing on focusing on this scene. This shows all of the different relationships, uh, in the adults and how it sort of was. It wasn't fully harmonious, obviously, because we've got the Charlotte and Peter stuff going on. There does mm. seem to be something between Hannah and Ulrich, but but there is there is a lot more harmony between these adults oh, yeah. in the town of Winden here compared to what they will be in a few months. So I, I, yeah, I sort of I like being in that. There's a hell of a that. lot more. Hell of a lot more. So I yeah. like being in that sort of little harmonious zone for a bit. Um, so what about what about you? I, I'll just let you go on the scene in general, but you know, if you could start well, off here. So I love this scene. It, it's this is This entire episode kind of functions as a set piece in and of itself. Like I feel like you could show this episode to someone who hadn't seen Dark and it would still fu- function as a dramatic thing that exists on its own obviously the context of the time travel and what comes before comes after this and before this uh improves and and enriches it massively but it Mm -hmm. just as a as a piece of drama this works really really well um and this this set this party scene in particular is like is kind of like the candles on on the birthday cake if you like it's just it's it's the 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 sort of it's just full of great character work really lovely like camera work like we've already talked about katarina seems like a lovely person in this and the way the camera kind of swoops around following her and ulrich uh, and there's a real kind of vibrancy to everyone's performance of this and like you say you see ev- pretty much everyone together and they seem to be coexisting in a way that they just won't after this and it's it's mm-hmm. tinged with this incredible sadness um also hannah brings the the biggest bloody tiramisu i have ever seen to this party like how on earth did she make all of that in a day i have no yeah. uh, outrageous and also Han- hannah it's sort of it really really uh mirrors hannah bringing the, the tray bake or whatever it was to katarina after oh yeah Mik- that's a good point after yeah. mickle went missing um yeah. this so that time it was obviously she was coming because auric wouldn't talk to her Whereas this time, <laughs> she's coming and bringing the, the, the tiramisu, uh, but now Auric will talk to her. Mm, more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so basically, as soon as I heard a song with the lyrics, we'll make heaven a place on earth, as one of its main lyrics in this, 
my mind immediately went down a big rabbit hole and I've come to the conclusion <laughs> based on nothing other than that that Katarina's parents are in the Sigmundus cult <laughs> because because there's no way that was just there by accident and we haven't met them so I think I think Katarina comes from Sigmundus cloth um mm. so I'm going to be keeping keeping my eye on that one and we know they're abusive as well which fits the bill for Sigmundus types as far as I've seen um so yeah I'll be interested to see what happens with that Interesting. Okay, I like that little that little uh, theory. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't expecting that theory. Uh, so oh, I, I, it wasn't based on anything. I just like <laughs> when when I heard like you know when they I, I can't remember the name of the song. It's um, heaven is a place on earth. I don't know. Heaven is, it just, is it just heaven? a place on earth. It might be. Yeah, but it's I mean it's a good song. It's Katarina's favorite song, in fact. Um, yeah, it's yeah, also that... it's also a song that my my first son, child one, used to. It was one of the first things he would laugh at in his life like when he was a oh, little, okay. ba- little baby we would sing that song to him and he would laugh yeah <laughs> don't know what's so funny about it to be honest it's a good it's a, i know, it's a great I know. He's, he's, his sense of humor has grown yeah he needs to develop um, yeah <laughs> but um yeah it's a, i mean this scene is is like really like from a compositional sense it is fantastic like the blocking of the actors is great there was something there was a question i wanted to ask you about this actually because i don't know if it's a potentially a translation thing but i didn't understand the moment where um katarina kind of walks past tronta telling magnus that he deserves a driver's license for that i I don't is that him like saying he's gonna buy him a car or something yeah maybe Uh, i can't actually because i watched it in the dub version uh so oh yeah of course you did yeah i can't actually even remember what they said in the dub version to be honest with you but um it's just just yana and tronta congratulating him and mentioning a driver's license but i don't know it seemed like a weird aside like we were sort of getting the, the end of a conversation and i don't i feel like i haven't been told the beginning of it yet he wasn't talking about francisco was he <laughs> maybe <laughs> you'll need a driver's license if you're gonna go check out naked babes at the lake more often yeah no well, Tron- more, no Tronto- more cycling down Tronto was going to get his hedge clipping shears but uh yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like listen if you want to get in a lady's good books you got to go around and trim their bush that's like <laughs> <laughs> that's step one Tronto Tronto knows He's yeah. been there before. Also, just so you know, whenever I was talking about Tronta and Yana earlier in the in the in the in the series, where I was saying, "Do you think we'll see them again this season?" I forgot they were in this episode. I mean, yeah, I was stunned to see them. To be honest, I was absolutely convinced that the, the first time we were going to see them in this entire season was going to be as the meteor falls on <laughs> on wind and just like looking up, and like oh balls and then, yeah. <laughs> And mushroom cloud. Um, yeah, but actually, to be more sort of serious about your question, I think that um, that literally was just them showing that you know it's not a dead party room. Like they're they're having a conversation that we didn't hear. You know, like I, yeah, I just think yeah. I think that we're not supposed to know what the rest of them are talking about. I mean, if you want to theorize based on that, uh, <laughs> you want to say that Magnus will get a driving test uh, at some point. That that's yeah. cool. But uh, Magnus Magnus will learn to drive at some point in dark. I'm I'm calling that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If, um, if we see him driving a car, that doesn't that theory is not correct. Still, we need to see him getting the test. <laughs> yeah, we have to actually see him having it stamped. Uh, you know, it needs to be official. I don't just want him to be driving just for the sake of driving. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- this is a great scene. As as I said, like I, I think the um never never going to give you up returns as if to mock oh, us yeah. for asking Dark to have some integrity in its dates. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the writers laughing at us, being like, "Yep, this came out two months after we showed it in the 1986 episode." But screw you. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it is like it's okay here though. But uh, yeah, they're reminding us about that. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah, it's it's just there's so much to talk about in this, and I, I don't want to go on about it too much. So I'll probably I'll come back to the uh, the outside stuff maybe when we get to it in the cool. chronology of the episode. But that is it just kind of feeds so naturally into that scene, and that scene is is also amazing. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so next we get the uh, the the scene we were talking about earlier with the ultimate fist bump, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and uh, Jonas finally sort of gets to he, he sort of is reunited with his father after experiencing his father's suicide a year before. Mm-hmm um what do you think of this original sort of high i'm back dad sort of thing so i think the the this this kind of scene begins with a really nice shot of the carnvald house with the storm approaching and then it's followed by a, a mirrored wide shot of Jonas walking kind of determinedly towards it which ha- the, the shot itself has really great composition um but i think on reflection once you've seen the whole episode the thing that i really love about the opening to this scene is that Jonas doesn't know it yet but he is actually the storm, and like he's the one who's bringing all of the all of these problems to Vinden by the looks of things. Yep. Um, and I I just love the moment where he stands in his bedroom for the first time in the best part of I guess over probably over a year at this point or close to a year. Well, I think it's um, seven, seven months or so, eight months. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I guess it's still like eight months. But because it really captures that feeling. To, to me it, it felt like that feeling like when you go away to university or something and then you come back home and it both is and isn't home anymore like he 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 knows this place and he feels kind of comfortable here but it isn't his home anymore because so yeah. much has transpired um and then when he turns and just like desperately hugs his dad it's it's so touching mm-hmm. uh, and then on reflection it's so sad based on how this episode ends um yeah. And yeah, the ultimate fist bump is just stupid. I love it. Like it's <laughs> ultimate fist bump thunder rolls is perhaps one of the dumbest things that could have possibly <laughs> happened then, but, yeah, but I do kind of love it. I also I, I like I love obviously the acting of these two actors here. Mm. Lewis Hoffman is the name of Jonas. I can't yeah. I don't know the name name of the man who plays um Michael, but, but I, as you said earlier in earlier in this episode, the the it's so believable this relationship and they do such a yeah. good job of acting opposite each other. Uh, Jonas in particular in this scene really starts flexing his muscles in terms he's a really good crier this actor yeah oh absolutely yeah yeah like there's cert- there's certain actors who just have a thing that they're amazing at and this actor is definitely a good crier um, also I like the fact that Michael immediately is regretful and he starts you know it's 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 he starts apologizing to him it's like he hasn't yeah. been able to admit even to himself for the last 33 years who he is and then it's his first instinct when it's out of the bag is to apologize to his son you know oh yeah the the the, the second hug they share after the the kind of ultimate fist bump bit where it's actually there's sort of a shift in the dynamic of the scene. It's actually mm-hmm. Jonas embracing a, a sort of desperate Mikkel then, and and when he like oh god, when he says forgive me as he hugs him, it's yeah. just so hard to hear because you, just knowing where his character is going at the end of this episode, and he's uh, I mean okay maybe he doesn't remember exactly what's going to happen to him tomorrow at this point, but knowing it and knowing that he is he is still the one who's asking for forgiveness is is so sad. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, it really is a tour de force of these two actors just playing off each other. And as you say, Lewis Hoffman, by the end of this kind of arc in the episode, he has turned in some absolutely stellar performances. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, Katarina gets pulled away from the party. Um, and she's in the bed with, uh, Mikkel. Ironically, um, this could be seen as maybe something that led to, the Hannah and Ulrich happenings. Obviously, we're not placing any blame at Katarina's feet, but if she was more, <laughs> if she was present in the party, 
that that might have not happened that night. Uh, but but also, I like the idea that if she had known what was happening downstairs in that moment, she would have been furious and she would have been down there beating heads. But in the present day, where we are at the minute in 2020, if she looks back on it, knowing what happens to Bickle, she would 100% choose to be in that bed with him. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting observation, actually, that if she could choose how to redo this, I think she'd probably still choose to do it the way she did, just to exactly. cherish every moment that she gets with Mikkel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Um, okay, so then we get uh, Ma- Marta and Jonas. Uh, we can touch more on the uh, sexy time. We can touch more on... <laughs> we can, we can t- watch Borat, by the way. Absolutely loved it. Um, <laughs> did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it. I I like I do like the first one, but I I haven't got round to it yet. I'll I'll have to we'll have to watch it before next week's episode. Oh my god, it is good. It's uh all I'll say, this is my review of it, right? It's funny, it's funny enough that you don't have to talk about it in it in comparison to the first. Do you know what I mean? Okay. It's well, like you know good. when a comedy comes out this guy's I mean it's really good. It's not the it's not as good as the first one, but you know, it's really good. Well, you don't, you don't yeah. even, even though I'm doing it now, you do not have to talk about the first one because it is that funny. All right. Um, okay, so we'll talk about more of the uh, sexy time later on when we get to the montage because that's when it's actually going down. I just will mm. mention here quickly uh, before I forget about it. I like the fact that Martha says, I've been thinking about what you said at the lake. Oh, this yeah, it's a great line. <laughs> yeah, and then he says, what did he say? Something about machines? About, something? about grandmas and the internet. It's like, yeah. Jonas, you idiot. You, you, she's like a, an inch away from your face and she just shut the door to her bedroom. Like, for God's sake, read the room, you moron. Yeah, but I like the she thought he was joking and I thought to myself, yeah. Jesus, you don't even know you're about to sleep with this boy and you don't even know that he has no sense of humour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of humour in Jonas, unfortunately. <laughs> Alright, so uh then I we, I think we could probably talk about the uh the Jonas and the Michael scenes in like sort of around the table in in entirety now if you want to. Um, yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, so I- I'll let you sort of attack it if you want. Uh, I don't know which order you want to do it in, but I'm happy to go wherever you want to go here. Um, okay, so I think for for me personally, I think it was around the time that they are sat around the table and Jonas vocalises that he's here to stop Mikkel from killing himself, that it dawned on me that he had probably been lied to and that we- he was going to have to make sure it happened. Um, That's a point and- in the Matrix though, isn't it? Uh, yeah it it is it it is a point in the matrix for adam lying to him um but uh i did also put a point uh uh, one in the matrix for Jonas will stop michael from killing himself but it will not fix the timeline so that's uh i've broken (laughs) even on that one yeah yeah. (laughs) i hedged my bets and this is what i this is what i get for it um (laughs) but it's yeah the 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 letter i don't know if would you consider the letter a bootstrap paradox because it's it's kind of he would never have written it if Jonas hadn't have showed up and given it to him oh it's definitely a bootstrap paradox um yeah even though he does kind of write the letter his version of the letter himself yeah this is actually an interesting point so this this is in my opinion the first moment that you can start questioning are is each cycle around slightly different like is the Mm. letter he wrote now I'm not giving an answer on this basically right um I don't want to give an answer to what I think of that yet for you but but is the letter that Michael wrote the second time when we see him at the end of the episode slightly different than the one he was he read or is it the exact same 
Oh, that's interesting, actually. I haven't checked that, because he reads out both. I'll have to go and check and compare them. He doesn't um... read them fully out both, but yeah, he does. Oh, I... does he not? Okay. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think what he does read out is actually the exact same, Just but yeah. uh, but in general, which is probably alluding to the fact that they are the same, but uh, I suppose if it's fate, right, if you're thinking of like a deterministic, it's fate, then whatever comes into his mind at that time is predetermined to come into his mind at that time. So it's not like yeah. he's just remembering it from earlier in the day. It actually is just always predetermined to be in his head. Well, I mean, not to not to give too much away now, because I think there's a there's a discussion to be had on Jonas and Claudia in this episode. Um, but that entire thing puts a, a big old nail in the deterministic model of time travel based on what she reveals about what she's seen. Um, certainly seems to suggest that time can change um, and that somehow she has seen different timelines. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't. it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if the letter that Michael writes is slightly different to the one mm-hmm. that, that Jonas had in his possession. Um, but to focus in on, on, on the, the Jonas and Michael stuff speci- uh, specifically, mm-hmm. it's, I don't want to get too meta with it, but this, this arc really shows that the showrunners aren't afraid to pull any punches because this is by far the darkest the show has gotten yet. It, it's just, it is unfair and it's heartbreaking and neither of these characters deserve it. And yet here we are. And it, mm-hmm. I think, I think the, the pain that both of the actors, uh, Lewis Hoffman and, and the guy who plays Michael bring to this scene, maybe gives us a brief hint into perhaps what, Claudia lied to the stranger about or what the stranger feels he's been lied to about and why he's started to feel bitter towards um uh towards um Claudia mm-hmm. um but yeah it, it's just the, the, there's so much good dramatic work in this scene yeah I would agree with you I, I again again we keep banging on about it, but the relationship between these two I love Michael's revelation eventually that he's you know he think he says what if I am just a small part of a bigger tumor yeah. um, that needs to be rooted out and you're a bigger part of this than you think? Now, obviously, yeah. that's the way he put it across to Jonas. But I think genuinely deep down in his heart, he was like, I want my son to be born. So I need to kill myself to ensure that he's born. You know? Oh, yeah. I, I think there's definitely some selflessness involved in, in his decision. Yeah, definitely. Um, and what did you think about the revelation that Jonas himself is the one who takes him back? Yeah, that completely caught me by surprise. Um, so I loved the the shot of Jonas behind the same tree that we saw Noah kind of concealing himself behind while he was watching Ellie go into the caves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really interesting kind of visual comparison. Um, and the stranger has been behind that tree too. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, it's just a good tree for hiding behind. Um, that's the one. That's where, that's where they all go. <laughs> yeah, Noah's got his rock, and <laughs> there's also the there's also the good hiding tree, and that's where you go. Um, but yeah, I think his mo. I I, I suspect that we're going to see his motivations for doing that um, unfold this season. I'm almost certain it's going to be Claudia who kind of orders it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I did not see that coming at all. Um, and it's it's fantastic, actually. The, the way that the, this storyline kind of ebbs and flows as Jonas is hit with revelation after revelation is amazing. So he just like you can almost see his character being like rocks with these body blows of like yeah adam lied to you bang you've got you're the one who sends mickle through the caves bang what adam desires is worse than asking your father to kill himself bang and it's just like (laughs) and his his character is just like kind of in pieces by the end of this scene and rightfully so because he's just he like he's kind i think 
he didn't like what he was being asked to do, but I feel like he had something to hold on to at the beginning of this mm-hmm. episode. Like he had a purpose and now he's kind of almost a child again by the end of this. He's being like led by the hand by an old lady to whatever Claudia takes him to because he just has, he just doesn't know what he's doing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really great. Um, Again, I think as well, like this conversation with him and Michael couldn't go up there as one of the really great dialogue uh, scenes yeah. of the show, like like yeah. the Claudia and Egon scenes from a few episodes ago. Like there's a few, especially in this season, uh, just one-on-one dialogue scenes, which have just been absolutely incredible. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So uh, in terms of Claudia coming in, um, do you have anything in particular you want to talk about that or have you touched upon it already? Or um, So the... That so, right. The, this this asks a bunch of questions. Claudia coming in, so it's impossible for them to get to this date from where the cycle currently is mm-hmm. because it's already gone past this date. So the only way to get to the or oh, well, sorry, I should preface that by saying it's impossible to get to this date using the Tanhouse machines that can only travel in the thirty-three year cycle because you'd have to. I don't know when when this is happening in the correct timeline if you like or the correct correct chronology mm-hmm. but it would only be possible using that machine to get to the 26th of june or wherever we are um so that to me implies that claudia also has access to a similar kind of time machine to the one that jonas used to get here in the church in 1921 um yeah so... there are other explanations in my mind but i understand why you why you're going there like my yeah. other explanation would be that she came from 33 years from this point you know but can but, but that but she would have had she would have passed, had doesn't it? Well, it's already passed in our chronology, but this might be a younger version of obviously this is a younger version of Claudia than we saw because the one we saw died. So she she uh, could have waited the thirty two years and then traveled to this point, you know. Um. Oh uh, yeah. Okay, that is true. Uh. That that's a good point. Um. But uh. So well, in my head that that like she's got access to. She's also, got I'm not. To, like, I'm not. I'm. I'm not trying to lead you anywhere, and I'm also not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying what also could be another way. But yeah, she could definitely have had like the similar m- machine that Adam has in twenty one, which sends you anywhere. Yeah. Well, and and they have specifically said that that machine kind of has its twin in twenty fifty three, which to yep. me suggests that she's found a way to stabilize and manipulate that portal in twenty fifty three. That she's maybe not revealed to to anyone else um well we do know that she had her uh the the tape recordings from the future remember that's yeah that is true um so yeah i guess she she was the one who was revealing everything um revealing everyone everything to Jonas in the future so it stands to reason that she knows more about it than she's told him um but yeah so she, the the really fascinating things about claudia i think are um that i'm pretty sure she's going to be the one to order um uh, Jonas to take Mikkel through the caves and the the line which is the real sort of hammer blow for her dialogue that she's seen a world without Jonas and it's mm. not what he expects because what the hell does that mean and how does that work um <laughs> so, like so she 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 must have found a way to see alternate timelines like that i can't think of how, what anything else that that could mean but I don't know how. I don't. Know how, I don't understand how that works. So, um, all I know about Claudia is that I implicitly trust her more than I trust Adam. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly why you do at this point as well. I'll just say, also, maybe me saying at this point, I wasn't referring to anything in the future. But, <laughs> uh, I just want to. I, I just want to point out something to the listeners who are listening. Right? 
I'm sure the, the listeners do listen. That's what they do. But um, I, should, I should hope so. Yeah. So what I'm gonna I'm not I'm I'm gonna tentative, tentatively avoid trying to give you any clues. Okay. So I'm not going to ask you to clarify the difference between a timeline and a world for purposes of the theory matrix. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to do that. Um, I just want to pin uh, say from this, I'm going to say, I'm going to be, it's just for the future, I'm going to be quite loose. If you want to make a prediction, I'm going to be quite loose in terms of my interpretation of that prediction after we find out stuff. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Because it's a bit, it's, there's, no, there's no way that you can predict things based on terminology. So I'm just, you just have a go at something and then I'll be loose on my interpretation later. Okay, nice. That's good to know because I need those points. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm fascinated to see where that goes. That seems that seems like an enormous revelation to me. Um, that that she's somehow seen a world without Jonas, and it also implies that Jonas is somehow central. Well, I mean, she literally says he's central to this whole thing, um, which is nuts in and of itself because. I don't understand how that works. Um, but I think the, the main thing, actually, aside from all the, the crazy revelations, and I do love that this this episode is kind of reloaded with just revelation after revelation, and it's basically yeah. just Claudia turning up, flipping off the audience and being like, what up? Here's all the story stuff, and then just leaving. <laughs> um, but the, the, the there's been like this sort of ongoing metaphor um, with a lot of the characters in Dark of, of kind of children waging war against their older selves. Um, and in a lot of cases, it's sort of, it's kind of a metaphor. It's this idea that when you grow up, it leads you to becoming a person who would disappoint your younger self, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is represented, I think, in characters like Ulrich and Hannah and, and they're sort of more grounded uh, characters, which is ridiculous to describe Ulrich and Hannah as grounded characters when they have traveled through time at this point. But yeah. here we are. Like, um, But then to have that metaphor kind of de- demonstrated literally in Jonas actually having to literally fight himself um is, is a really cool way of exploring the metaphor i think yeah yeah okay um all right i'm happy enough to leave that there i'm sure we're gonna get i'm sure we're gonna get a fair bit of questions in the uh friday question and answer video so we'll leave that there for now and uh we'll come back to it later um oh, can't wait can't wait okay so uh then we get the scene outside the back of the nielsen's house with hannah and ulrich on the swings oh oh it's the best best scene best scene of the episode hands down <laughs> yeah. yeah it just it's so good so, we have nothing to say about it it's just like yeah i don't even know where to begin with this right like it's so it's i wonder if this was actually shot outside because it's the way it's lit is is yeah. so good um it's just it's a wonderful shot with you know, Hannah in her red dress on a brightly colored swing set as the storm kind of rolls in and that they're lit by the flashes of lightning and then when Ulrich joins her, it, it, the the sort of the visual language of it speaks to me of how kind of utterly outmatched they both are in the face of this. And it's just these two characters who aren't really main characters anymore. I suppose you could say Ulrich was a pretty main character in the first season, mm-hmm. um, but he, he definitely seems to have assumed a bit of a, a more secondary role um, in the second season. And these are just two characters who we both know will be consumed by the storm um and there is nothing either of them can do to change it and, it and in my opinion you have really the two different reactions to that knowledge that you would expect to see in these two characters so you've got someone who will basically do nothing which is hannah and someone who will rage against it in the case of Ulrich, Ulrich. and they're both equally helpless in reality um 
and and it's this it, it works brilliantly as a kind of visual metaphor for what this what this storm is going to do to the people in Vinden. and it mm-hmm. also it works as a mirror of the one they had at the bus stop in 1986 and it's just it's such a beautifully shot scene. It's 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 beautifully realized in both the performances and and in the dialogue. And then yeah, the storm soaking them both as they kind of share a look, which tells us all what they're going to do. And then they you know ruin their relationships. Yeah, and I re- I really like how you're sort of phrasing the whole episode as sort of the coming storm because it is at this moment when the rain starts pouring that mm. it's like okay, this is the town starting to take form of where we met it. At the start yeah. of season one, yeah, yeah, like literally, like tearing itself apart. Yeah, definitely, it's great. Uh, did you pick up on uh, Hannah referencing Ulrich from '86 from the first season, saying that she yeah uh, the uh, no more win- no more Vinden, a world without Vinden, yeah, yeah, like that's the exact conversation they had in the bus stop, and um, I, I, the look he gives her tells me that he remembers that conversation, mm-hmm. um, which I feel like. We we give Hannah a, a hard time sometimes in this show. I think we talked about it in the last episode, how she seems a bit parasitic, which doesn't contribute very much on her own. But mm-hmm. she's not... I, d- I don't feel like she has gone out of her way to try and seduce Ulrich here. I think there is definite... I mean, there, I think there isn't any kind of adultery, but particularly in this case, I think both sides are very complicit in allowing this to happen. There's a, there is an undeniable connection between these two. Oh, 100%. And I, I, to be honest with you, I'm just going to put my, n- nail my colors to the wall here. And I don't care if anyone thinks that it's just me being, you know, uh, very silly or biased in a certain way. I honestly think that in terms of uh, adultery and affairs, women get a bad rap for that all the time. Like, I think that a lot of the time, for no reason whatsoever, the blame is laid on the women's feet when it's, it's, a, it's a joint venture. Yeah, I mean, it takes two to tango, quite frankly. To- yeah, exactly. And, uh... Like I, there was this meme that went around a few years ago, like with like a woman who uh, someone, a, a husband was cheating on on his wife, and the and then the wife went around and put pictures of the uh, of the other woman around the town, and it completely ruined mm. her life, and she just didn't punish her husband whatsoever. Like it's just, yeah, that's always what I think about when I think of uh, these sorts of situations. And uh, so at this stage, they're both cheaters, you know. So we've got confirmation of that now. Michael is still alive. They're both cheaters, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I and I wonder, like, obviously, we've seen uh, talking about uh, Michael still being alive. Like, we we've seen um, the picture of um, the family with Enos still in one piece, which I guess was confirmed in the first episode because I think we saw it there as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I wonder if if this will be part of what leads to the 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 fracture with um, with Enos. Um, in fact, actually, I'm going to check now. Did I put that she would cheat on him before he died in my theory matrix? I don't oh, know if I did. We definitely talked about whether it did happen before or not, but I don't know if you actually made a prediction on that. Oh, in terms back through it. In terms of the picture, uh I think that it's very evident that there's going to be a big fallout now. Whether we'll probably not whether, whether whether they'll flesh that out fully or not, I you know, it doesn't really need to be. But at the same time, I like to imagine that, like, uh, Michael's will, he left everything to Enos, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just to, like, he just revealed that he didn't, he never actually really liked Hannah, and it, they were just together because she uh, tolerated she he, his magic tricks. Yeah, she thought he was cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> How cool am I now, Hannah? But that, that's, like, he told her from day one, you know, don't call me cool. My name's Mickle. So, uh, <laughs> he didn't like he it. He hated her for that. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, after this, we get the montage, so I'll quickly run through. We get uh, Hannah and Auric finally going at it. 
We get uh, Katarina and Mikkel sleeping in the bed. We get Francisca seeing her father going into the uh, prostitute's caravan. We see Charlotte home alone. We see Peter laying on Benny's chest. Uh, We see uh, an absolutely horrific scene in terms of um, uh, the Tiedemann's house. (laughs) I was to be honest with you, I was I was gonna say the Jonas and Michael, uh, you know, having to leave each other. Eunice knowing that Michael's going to die, but then I saw Bartos sipping out of a champagne glass, and I thought, you know what, that's even more horrific. Yeah, that's that's a fate worse than death. Just <laughs> yeah. these people, like just having to sit in with your parents while your friends are at a party. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then uh, Marta and uh, on No Scar Eunice are having uh, some fun, and then also Magnus is looking at Francisca on the interwebs. Yeah, he. Mm. <laughs> He's always looking at her, whether he's following he her into the forest or he's looking at her on a screen. He's always looking at her. I, I give Magnus the benefit of the doubt a lot, for, but I, I will say that for to a less kind individual than myself, his behavior could be construed as a little bit creepy, to be honest. But um, well, I, I will, I will say, I will doubt. say, come on, he zoomed in on her face, wow. Conrad. Yeah, give moment, him the benefit of the doubt. On her face. <laughs> like, huh? At that moment, he zoomed in on her face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. didn't show him going upstairs five minutes later and locking his door. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> I don't know what he's like. Teenage boys. Um, Magnus, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I guess like the big thing. I mean, actually, uh, before I get into the Jonas uh, Jonas Marta thing, uh, the the shot of uh, Peter resting on Benny's chest was was really lovely as well. It's a really like nicely lit and nicely composed shot, which was surprising for what was a kind of a throwaway. Um, but I, but I really enjoy. It. I think it's just because I'm a big fan of like c- cyberpunk and synth wavy stuff, and it had pink lighting, so that's an easy way yeah, to get me act- on board. And actually, it looks so good because in comparison to the split screen, it's next to Charlotte, who it's it's not. There's not even enough light on her face. Her face is all she's drenched, and it's just yeah. a real, really like sort of on purpose dully lit scene. Um, and so yeah, compared right. to it, it really, it really pops next to it. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think there's that. That's definitely true. There's there's a deliberate contrast there. Um, but yeah, so Jonas has sex with his aunt. Right, before you get into that, <laughs> before you get into that, I, I want to mention one thing that I've been meaning to mention for okay. a very long time. Uh, okay. Because I'll forget about it otherwise and then I'll, I'll never mention it. Because I've, I've not mentioned this in dark discussions, in any theory video or anything, right? I think the actress who plays Francisca would have made a way better young Regina than the Regina that they have. Um, obviously I she's not mean, ginger, actually. but the, but she looks so much more like Regina to me than the young Regina that they have. Obviously, young Regina is a lot smaller of a role, so they wanted to give this actress a bigger role. But in terms mm. of this, just looking, I think that she looks so much like a young Regina. Yeah, I think she's got the sharp features that Regina. And sharp sounds harsh, but she's got the defined features that Regina has um, more so than the young Regina. I could definitely see that. Yeah, okay. All right, off you go into the uh, sex between the aunt and the nephew. <laughs> yeah, so um, don't have sex with your aunt is how I'm going to lead off this section because that's what? not it's not good. It, it, I shouldn't have to explain why. And <laughs> so it's a, this is a weird scene. Uh, the things that it made me feel about, and that sounds bad, but uh, <laughs> the, the things that it made me feel about, about this relationship because to be honest, when their faces, but like before they kiss each other, 
when they're talking about grandmas and the internet and tablets and Jonas is doing his absolute best to screw up a romantic moment. (laughs) I I was kind of willing them to kiss, even knowing what I know, because at this stage, their relationship is very pure. It's it, it, they do love each other, but, and it's, I have to put, I think it's because if you put yourself in the mindset of these two characters, you absolutely want them to get together. It, It kind of has that, I don't know, will they, won't they, rom-com feel to it almost. But then obviously it's underpinned by the horrific reality that they're very closely related to each other. Um, So, and I think that's why it's shot with such kind of warm hues. I think it's deliberately shot like a romantic sex scene would be in a, a, you know, a movie with with romance in it. Um, It's the summer of their life. Exactly. Yeah, you know, this is summer love. Summer loving happens so fast and also with your aunt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean, uh, what we've seen pre- prior to this has, to me, heavily implied that Marta's going to get pregnant um, based on the, uh, you know, we saw like the dark matter kind of coalescing over her womb um, when she was having the, the sex dream about the stranger. And I know that all the evidence to the contrary in terms of when we've seen her suggests that there's no way she gets pregnant or there's no way she keeps it because we've seen her in November 2019 and she isn't showing any bumps. Um, we've seen her a June, uh, seen June, her June of the next year. She, she would have a three-month-old baby. baby at that point. Yeah. And I know that there is all that evidence to the contrary, but in spite of that, I am like 90% certain that she is getting pregnant and keeping that baby somehow. <laughs> so I don't know how it's going to work. Uh, but that's how I feel. Okay, well, do yourself a favor. Put that in the theory matrix. Uh, we'll, oh, it's in. It's we'll, in. Don't you worry yeah. about that. We'll revisit that at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> in the theory matrix, at the moment, and I quote, Marta had the baby, open brackets, somehow, close brackets. <laughs> 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 well, definitely, if she does have a baby, it will be somehow. <laughs> that's true. They, they, that is kind of a prerequisite of having a baby, is that you do it in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right, are we finished talking about the montage now? Yeah, I think so. I that think was, that was the bit that stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, so moving on, we have uh, the scene where um, Michael starts to write the letter. Mm, um, yeah, heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. I will say that this moment here <laughs> threw a load of people for a loop, uh, and some people still believe what I'm about to say. I, I believed it up until a week ago because someone commented on my Dark Discussions episode and told me that I was wrong. And then I realized I believe it because I was told it in a in a YouTube comment, and I just told I said to my uh, listeners there, I'm not I'm not listening to anyone in the YouTube comments anymore. I have to <laughs> I have to check every fact, you know, yep. because people just will say things as if they're so certain, and you believe them because of it, but then they're not. But uh, the fact of the matter is, because it's raining in this scene, um, if you go back to when he killed himself uh, in the first episode, it was a sunshine. Yeah. Um, ah. So. Yeah, but the thing is, this is the day before he killed himself. Yeah, yeah, that is <laughs> yeah. true. He didn't yeah. kill himself till tomorrow, so he's just writing a suicide note ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to be, he needs to be prepared. But, but the thing is, he's writing it while it's still fresh in his mind. But like, I was, I didn't go back and watch this for ages, and I was convinced by that YouTube comment that actually, oh my god, yeah, it must be different every cycle, you know. So yeah. um, this was viewed, this is and still viewed by some people uh, as being a hundred percent proof that the cycles happen each time are different even though this isn't the day he killed himself. <laughs> yeah, that's that feels like an easy thing to miss, to be honest. I could have been convinced by that if I'd have if I'd have heard that comment. Yeah, yeah. I was I was convinced by that because I hadn't I hadn't rewatched it in a while, to be honest with you. Um so anyway, um 
let us move into the final scene then. Uh, we mm. have Adam holding the medal. Um, yeah. And then the camera shifts. We get a, a middle-aged woman and a middle-aged man. Mm. And the middle-aged woman turns around and refers to the man as Magnus. Yeah, and holy shit, does that future Magnus look good. That looks a lot <laughs> yeah. like Magnus. Yeah, it does. Yeah, so, hey, how, how do Magnus and Francisca end up here? Because, like, <laughs> because they, they've got a long way to go from where they are at the moment. Like, they're sort of, yeah, I don't know. Like, I didn't I didn't see this coming, if I'm going to be honest with, with all of you. Like, I was just... You know, I thought there were going to be some. I, th- I figured there'd be more sick Mundus people. I didn't. If you'd, I'd like to be honest. If you'd have held a gun to my head, and say name characters who are like the least likely to get involved in the sick Mundus stuff, I think Magnus and Francisca would have been pretty low on the on the or pretty high <laughs> on the list. I I think the only person who'd be higher them is probably like Benny and Vola, um, <laughs> as, as like unlikely to get involved in the sick Mundus stuff. But yet oh, here yeah. we are. Okay, so um, we've been asked before, but before, like, there's been one or two times whenever there's been a reveal, and I went back and shown some of the uh, the clues that were laid for this reveal. So I could, I okay. could, I could maybe point out to one for you anyway. If you go back and have a look at the Sigmundus photograph, yeah. this gentleman who looks very like Magnus is actually standing right next to Adam in the photograph. Oh, is he? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, and it it does focus on that photograph quite a lot. So, if you yeah. had if you had picked up that that man looks like Magnus, you might have been able to uh, pick up on this. Like, there definitely was. Now, this is one of the reveals that there very much was a, very little foreshadowing foreshadowing for, but that was definitely a bit of it. If you would notice, because they are so so similar, the actors that there yeah. is a, some people did notice that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They. I mean that that this is another case of the casting in Dark being absolutely dead on. Um, that guy looks like the father of the actor who plays Mag- like a young magnus yeah he does he, he looks absolutely incredible it's it's yeah. it's spooky like francisca less so i think well i'm sorry i've, I've assumed that the woman is francisca yeah. i i don't I, I guess it hasn't been confirmed yet but those two feel like they're just going to end up doing everything together uh by virtue of the fact that Magnus follows her around like a puppy. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, she she looks a bit less like Francisca to me, but yeah, the Magnus casting is amazing. Yeah, it's great. And also, some people in real life don't look like they did when they were a teenager anyway. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Um, I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how he's getting from where he is to, to here. Like, oh, I can't wait to see it, but it's, it, it like this, this, like, yeah, completely caught me off guard. Yeah, like there always seems like, and the things, some of the things that are being revealed in this episode, it almost seems like there's not enough time left in like two episodes, and then also only eight next season to actually finish yeah. this. Yeah, like are they just going to be like Magnus accidentally stumbles through the cave twice <laughs> and like and ends up in the twenties? And I was like, well, I guess I live here now, and then like, <laughs> gets like taken in by the Sigmund disguise. Yeah, and he's like, oh, Jonas, haven't seen you for a while. How'd you, yeah. how'd you, how'd you end up here? You know? Yeah. I bet Magnus strikes me as he's not he's not dumb, but I could see him being polite enough that when Adam is just like, "Oh yeah, I'm Jonas," he like he just accepts that it's the same Jonas that he's friends with and doesn't question it any further and just treats him like a seventeen year old boy, despite him clearly being a man in his sixties <laughs> with horrible burns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Okay. Um, roundup time. Hmm. 
IMDb rating, 9.6. Okay. So is that the highest rated one so far? Mm, maybe of this season, but I don't know. Overall, I don't think so. I think there was a 9.7 or 8 one, I think. Okay. Episode yeah, 5 nine, of yeah. season 1, I think, was really high. Um... Yeah, I think I think this deserves a lot of the praise that it gets. I think it's worth going into it with the knowledge that it's very different um and that it's it's very sort of character heavy um because if you don't like that kind of stuff, if you're into dark for the the dynamism of the plots and the big reveals and all that kind of stuff, there is there is some of that in here, but it's all very backloaded, so you might find yourself getting a bit bored with some of the character work, but having said that, I don't think anyone realistically would get bored with the character work in this because it's so good. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that's a, a fair rating for it. I'd probably rate it higher, to be honest, if there's another one that got 9.8. Yeah, and also I would say probably your expectations of this uh, being, because like, I said it was one of my favourite episodes, like it just shows you what your your expectations of what my favorite episode would have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's how you're poorly like, I think of you. That yeah, you're, you're like, I, no I, way, no way. He's caring about the character work. This is gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be. Bang, it's bang, all. Bang, bang. It's gonna be explosions, and there's gonna be Egon surfing to ACDC, and it's <laughs> yeah. just gonna be nothing but that. You know, at the same time, if that did happen, that would probably turn into my favorite episode. Oh, in, if the, yeah, if that happens in episode seven, that's that's my new favorite episode. That's all I'm saying about about like what i expect from this show going forward yeah exactly uh okay so um having said that about it like sort of in terms of it being like it's a different type of episode it definitely is very very high quality when you look back on dark some of the episodes might be hard to distinguish between each other because it's just you know that type of show where it's sort of a constant uh feeling constant dread constant everything this mm-hmm. is this is an episode when you look back you will remember episode season two episode six you will remember this episode and what it was you know yeah yeah absolutely i think that's 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 very fair okay uh what are your overall thoughts uh or theories coming out of this i, I don't know we've, we've talked about quite a bit of theories but yeah so I, I think i suppose i've got like four big ones that i've kind of already mentioned before so the uh katarina's parents are in on the sick Munda stuff based okay. on purely uh the the song that plays at, her, uh, at their anniversary party um i'm i'm sticking with that until proven otherwise <laughs> i really want that to be true because I, that would be an absolutely be fantastic guess if i if i call that based off of that one song i am gonna give myself so many points in the theory <laughs> matrix i'm gonna award bonus points um i marta had the baby that's the other one i don't know how that's gonna work all the evidence to the contrary uh is is very strong to be honest but but my first thought was, you don't show a woman getting pregnant unless you're making a story, or imply, I guess, a, a woman is getting pregnant unless you are making a storyline out of the pregnancy. So I suppose it's possible that she loses the baby. Um, but the sort of meta-analysis of that plot line makes me think that something's happening with that baby. Okay. Um, and then uh, the Claudia stuff. So Claudia saying she's seen a world without Jonas, to me says that she can somehow see or has seen alternate timelines and i i don't know how that works i have no idea how that works but i can't wait to see more of that uh, or see if, if i'm even remotely close to correct um mm-hmm. and also that she's going to be the one who tells Jonas to send mickel through the caves um which i think i don't think that's much of a theory because you know he's with claudia now so i, I yeah. feel like that's all but confirmed but, uh, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I, I would agree with that. It's, it seems that way at this point, doesn't it? Yeah, but so those are those are the big ones. Um, yeah, it was there. There was like big plot stuff in this. It was less uh, less fodder for theories than kind of confirmation 
of existing ones i ticked off an awful lot of theories um from the theory matrix in this episode so um it was really i'm not gonna say satisfying because i got a lot of them wrong but um (laughs) (laughs) but it was conclusive i'll say that much okay awesome uh right okay so i'm going to give you all a little treat now oh with a segment Ooh. what the dub this week in what the dub it's come back guys oh what my the god dub? it's back don't, don't call it a comeback yeah it's, it's been here for years yeah so what the dub is back um so this is actually i don't know whether no, you can tell me whether this is a praising of the dub or, a, or or slagging off the dub i'm not sure actually i don't really know where this fits but i thought i should mention it in the first episode of season one uh and also the first episode of the after dark podcast my what the dub segment was all about Bartos's use of the word jackpot. Oh yeah, because in the German he goes jack <laughs> jackpot, right? Yeah, I was listening out for that this time, and it was still as good as I remember it. <laughs> yeah, I love that they included it. Yeah, it's in, great. It's in like the flash, that, that, yeah. that, is, that really makes that scene just Bartos being as shitty as he possibly can. Yeah, jackpot. But um, <laughs> but basically, uh. In the, the what I complained about in episode one of season one was that he said jackpot like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was completely wrong. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if I can even do what happened in this episode justice, but and I can't. They even... did it differently. Yeah, that's the thing. They did it <laughs> differently. So <laughs> that's the thing. It wasn't actually him saying jackpot again. They didn't use the German jackpot. They didn't, but he actually, I think he went something like jackpot. Oh, okay. So he leaned into it. A he leaned bit into it a bit. Time. Yeah. Which made Maybe me think this is confirmation that the timelines can change. You know what it made me think? It means that yeah. it, it made me think that between the seasons, the actor who played the dubbed version of Bartos actually watched the first season of dark yeah <laughs> and then was like let me take another run at that line and yeah. still screwed it up yeah yeah, yeah. He, it was getting better though it was getting better i don't know if he'll, if he'll have another opportunity to get it right <laughs> yeah i hope we revisit that scene again in season three and that's when he really nails it yeah um but yeah jackpot that's one of my favorite i just wanted to talk about such a line yeah, yeah i just wanted <laughs> to talk it, about I... that again to be honest with you but uh right so that was what the dub Conrad, oh, a welcome return. A welcome return to What the Dub. Conrad, I've got another segment for you. Holy smokes! <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but when I kiss you, it's like I'm kissing my brother. This week in Wincest, we are oh. going to talk about Marta and Jonas getting it all bow, 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 bow. that's now, uh, my marvin gay <laughs> attempt <laughs> <laughs> right okay so we've, we've actually talked about this quite a bit but i thought we should mark it with incest anyway because yeah. i think this is probably the first on-screen piece of incest we've seen uh yes. in the show um so you said that you think there might be a baby coming now that would make it that would make that baby uh a product like a product of incest yes. um here's my question to you Magnus and Francisca are somehow in the tw- in the twenties. We also yes. know that Magnus and Francisca are related; they're second cousins or something. Yes. Do you think that they're going to have kids in the past? Oh God, I, I, I think they probably will. 
I mean, they, they they stay together. Like, so it stands to reason that they probably would have kids. And we know that the Sigmundus guys like to, you know, recruit kids young into their into their cults or whatever it is to to you know indoctrinate them. So I think it stands to reason they probably will. Yeah, and I just want to. Yeah, it does stand to reason they will. So I'm looking forward to hearing about that. But I just want to say as well, I just basically confirmed that that is Francisca to you. But I will also just say to the audience who are yelling at me right now. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, like I said, like Magnus has only got eyes for one woman. It was always going to be Francisca. Let's be honest. Like there's not it would be it's more believable that somehow they go from where they are now to having traveled back in time to the 20s serving a doomsday cult than it would be for Magnus to find a different girlfriend as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I'm just going to say this, right? And this might be spoiling something for Conrad. I've never actually fully unspoiled something for you. But you can deem this as if it's a spoiler or not, right? That the fact that that's Francisca was so expected for us to know that that <laughs> I, that I think the reveal in quotation marks that it's Francisca comes like way way into season three where they just refer to her as San Francisca in a very normal way. So yeah. I don't I, like there was never that like that reveal of that being Magnus is also a reveal that that's Francisca. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it, it's like. They come as a package, as far as I'm concerned, which is funny because we did say earlier in this season when they were doing like the kind of couple dynamic stuff that it's nice that they don't just treat them as as one. But I feel like you know they got their moment in the sun and now they're kind of like yeah, Magnus and and, and Francisca come together. That's just how it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so just to finish off this Wincess segment, if Marta has had a child, yeah, where is that child? What are they doing? What's going on? Um. Okay, I, I I don't really have a theory for this, so I'm going to pluck something out of the air, and it's going to go in the matrix, and it's probably going to cost me points. But I've I've had I've had some joy with Hail Marys before, so I'm going to go <laughs> for another one. Okay, so let me just work this out in my head. So Jonas is Katarina's grandson, uh, which mm-hmm. would mean that a child of I don't know how this would work really. Would that would that make a child that Marta has? by Jonas, her granddaughter or her great-granddaughter? Both. Yeah, I guess both. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to say... Oh, this is going to get so messy. Okay, I'm going to say that she has a baby and it goes back in time <laughs> to become... Or it is taken back in time to the 20s to become one of Katerina's parents. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> like, that's my that's my i'm just threat there's literally you want to how much want, want to know how much evidence that is based on absolutely nothing <laughs> like, I, just, I just i feel like i i made a joke earlier in this season about how everyone is a nielsen and the more i watch of this show the more i am absolutely convinced that ev- literally everyone is a nielsen apart from claudia so like so I, I I'm sticking to that, and in that in that vein, I think the Nielsens are just one big incestuous hot pot that just keep on in like producing in with with them or reproducing with themselves. Conrad, what has happened to you? The glory days <laughs> of the After Dark podcast when you were coming up with theories based on so much that you had an- analyzed. You know, like yeah. <laughs> what happened to the good old theories, like Alexander is Yassin, You know, oh uh, yeah, the Tabula Smaragdina stuff, where I spent like four <laughs> hours reading about hermetic legacies on Wikipedia. I'm done with that. 
I'm done with it. I'm on to cousins having sex with each other now. That's where I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where you are. It's Yon and... fault. She's the one who wrote this, all right? I'm just interpreting it. Yeah, and to be honest with you, we're all loving that that's where you are. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think Listen, back... They I, I, had sex with each other. I didn't force Jonas and Martin to have sex with each other, right? They did it of their own free will. And Magnus and Francisca in the 1920s know that they're related and that hasn't stopped them. So yeah. it's the character's fault. I'm not taking any responsibility for my, where my head is. I want everyone to go back to episode <laughs> five of the After Dark podcast and listen to Conrad when I point out to him that Jonas is actually Martha's nephew when he starts saying, Oh, no, no, no. We're not going to get into that. I don't think the show's going to go that direction because that's just going to be a mess that no one will ever understand. <laughs> uh, a, a, a babe in the woods is what I was there. You yeah, sweet exactly. summer child. I knew nothing. Yeah, you knew nothing, Jon Snow. But, uh, all right, so that was that, was that episode. <laughs> that was that episode of Dark. Thanks very much for joining us, everyone. Um, any any closing thoughts, Conrad? Um, just uh, rip Egon 86 for the next episode. If that doesn't happen, I'm going to be so annoyed because I want to see him surfing with ACDC blurring in the background. Um, but yeah, no, that was an awesome episode. And uh, I, I Are can't you going to double down? Are you going to double down on that theory and now pre- predict that he dies next episode? I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm now you every could even, episode. If you double down, you could actually even out. Well, yeah, or I could. Even though I mean, that's, that's not that's not what works. That's not <laughs> like, what double down means. But I mean, in, in the context of you making a second theory, you would you would at least get your money back. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's how gambling works, isn't it? <laughs> like, I could get my money back, or I could be more in debt. <clears throat> True. Um. True. I. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bet on that because I just don't. I don't know what they're gonna do next episode. I hope they they get back to the sort of chronology, the regular chronology. But I feel like the gloves are off now, um, and you know anything goes. So I'll be interested to see where they go. I, I can't wait to see how they wrap up the season now because they really have just just thrown all the rules out. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Right, guys, can you make sure that you leave a comment underneath this video if you want to ask Conrad a question for episode seven of dark season two uh apart from that could you subscribe to the to the youtube video or youtube channel if you haven't already at this point i always say it even though there's no one watching to this point if they haven't subscribed could you also please subscribe to the podcasting audio apps thank you very thank you very much there have been a one or two people who have uh actually donated to us in the last week or two usually we get a uh notification by email that someone has donated to us and then we know the name of that person so that we can thank them on air having said that for some reason we haven't got an email so maybe that person those two people or so who who donated to us wanted to stay um anonymous if you did that's absolutely fine uh if you didn't we're really sorry we just don't have the name but thank you very much to whoever did donate to us uh we're very thankful about that uh unfortunately we don't have the name to thank you thanks sense. anyway it thanks. was it was very kind yeah and uh th- that money is going to be going towards uh conrad having a webcam very very soon and uh i haven't actually mentioned this so i'm gonna give this as a little nugget to all those people who've actually listened to the podcast to the end um at the end of this season conrad and i have an idea that after this season we're gonna do a big long video of like an hour hour and a half however long it takes of conrad reacting to some of my theory videos for season three so before season three came out i made a couple of theory videos and we're gonna take the reins off and let conrad watch a couple of them because most of them let's be honest 
are absolute bollocks. <laughs> that makes me feel happier about where I am with my theory crafting. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. Don't, don't worry. I'm pretty sure if I made a, a theory matrix, I'd be getting less right than you. I, I definitely... There's definitely... I'm not, obviously not going to tell you what, but there's definitely some stuff in my theory videos that was uh, on the money. There was a lot of stuff that was not. Nice. I okay. look forward to hearing it, but that'll be awesome. Yeah. So okay. join us. Join us. Uh, so apart from that, goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the After Dark Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode.